Hi, listener. I'm Carol Fisher, the host of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister. I'm so excited for you to hear the brand new season where we're uncovering a 35-year-old mystery. But for those of you who didn't hear season one or just want to listen to it again, you can now get access to all episodes of that first season of The Girlfriends 100% ad-free through the iHeart True Crime Plus subscription, which is available exclusively on Apple Podcasts. You'll also get access to every single episode of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister, ad-free and one week early, only available to iHeart True Crime Plus subscribers. So what are you waiting for? Head to Apple Podcasts, search for iHeart True Crime Plus, and subscribe today. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A warm up from the below. Welcome to Bumpy Las Vegas for Coast to Coast Teams with myself, Greg Eames Peterson, now part of the Beats and Family and Podcast. We've got a two-part podcast for you guys. We're going to be joined in segment number two by handicapper Rob Donaldson. He does a great job with the All Eyes podcast. I know that now that it's a baseball season, he does quite a bit more on the baseball front with the No Name Baseball podcast, but he does an amazing job taking a look at this game. He, much like myself, is getting set for the upcoming college basketball season, so I'm going to get his thoughts on gauging a team like a West Virginia that has been through a lot here in the offseason and how important it was just in regards to handicapping, just in terms of gauging this West Virginia team that they did decide to go the interim route rather than bring in some outsiders. So we're going to talk about that. Also, a little bit of a ripple effect of what we saw with West Virginia. Trey Mitchell heading to Kentucky. How big was it that they got any sort of experience into that program at all? Because I thought that that was very significant for them. We're also going to talk about gauging some of these teams that they've got a lot of moving parts. They've got a lot of younger guys and how... Your handicap of them should be changing throughout a season. How we go about gauging these teams that have a lot of freshmen, have a lot of transfers. We're also going to be taking a look at some of these mid-majors that might be having some value this year as well. So we're going to have a great two-part chat with Rob in segment number two. And if you do have a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we offer this in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at unit underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters M. they mean does not matter. So as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you do rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated from there. You're able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast by that five-star review. Really didn't get in a lot of news and notes over the last 24 hours. We did see a pair of guys enter into the transfer portal that really didn't play at all last year. Somebody yellow. He was over at Manhattan. And as we know, Manhattan, they were pretty much out of parting of ways with their coach, Steve Massiello, two weeks before the start of the season. So Diallo did not get out there on the floor last season. Someone that averaged in his most recent year, six points, four and a half boards, and a little bit over a steal per contest, but has had a career year where he's had 
right around more like seven points, six boards, able to be a rock solid player that has made starts at Atlantic 10 level for UMass. He's a six foot seven player that is out there in the transfer portal. So we will see if there's any takers there. And then Nenda Turk. He was supposed to be transferring over to Nichols, and last season I compensate. Put up nice numbers for a team that, well, they didn't play any defense whatsoever, but good versatility here. 12.5 points, 6 boards, 2 assists, 1.7 steals per contest, and two years ago at compensate, his 2.9 steals per game were in the top three in all of college basketball, so he's able to do a solid job there at 6'4". He's not a great three-point shooter career, about 30.5% three-point shooter, and also it's shot an unsightly 54% the free-throw line last season, but certainly someone that is able to get some steals, someone that does have good versatility and just good conditioning in general. He is out there in the transfer portal as well, so running a little bit thinner on news and notes, which is why we're going to be doing a lot more conference previews on this podcast, hopefully by week's end slash early, early next week. I'm talking like either Sunday or Monday. Should be getting up a preview of the Colonial probably late next week. We're looking at Conference USA, so we're getting you set for the upcoming season. So obviously gauging the fallout with the West Virginia guys in the transfer portal as guys like Joe Tucson and company make their tours. They check out all these different campuses. So we've got you guys covered there, but we've got you guys covered with trying to get set for the upcoming season. And Rob Donaldson, he's doing much of what I'm doing, gauging the market, determining where teams should be valued coming into the year. So we're going to have a good chat about that, how he gauges these teams that have a lot of moving parts. We're going to be taking a look at the West Virginia situation with them as well as Kentucky and so much more. That is up next on Coast to Coast with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Houston Family Podcast. Hi, listener. I'm Carol Fisher, the host of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister. I'm so excited for you to hear the brand new season where we're uncovering a 35-year-old mystery. But for those of you who didn't hear season one or just want to listen to it again, you can now get access to all episodes of that first season of The Girlfriends 100% ad-free through the iHeart True Crime Plus subscription, which is available exclusively on Apple Podcasts. You'll also get access to every single episode of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister, ad-free and one week early, only available to iHeart True Crime Plus subscribers. So what are you waiting for? Head to Apple Podcasts, search for iHeart True Crime Plus, and subscribe today. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, listener. I'm Carol Fisher, the host of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister. I'm so excited for you to hear the brand new season where we're uncovering a 35-year-old mystery. But for those of you who didn't hear season one or just want to listen to it again, you can now get access to all episodes of that first season of The Girlfriends 100% ad-free 
through the iHeart True Crime Plus subscription, which is available exclusively on Apple Podcasts. You'll also get access to every single episode of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister, ad-free and one week early, only available to iHeart True Crime Plus subscribers. So what are you waiting for? Head to Apple Podcasts, search for iHeart True Crime Plus, and subscribe today. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you ready to become a winning sports better? Schedule a call with SBIA to find out how their service can make you a long-term winning player. They've developed an innovative algorithm that maximizes units return, and they are so confident in their system that they offer a money-back guarantee. Sign up by October 31st and get their NBA package at no cost until they reach 10 net units. They treat sports betting like a business. So if you want to learn how to make your sports betting dreams a reality, visit them at SBIA1.com and check them out on social media at SBIA Sports. And we're back here above you, Las Vegas, with Gus Gus with myself, Greg Eames Peterson, now part of the Visa Family Podcast. It is always great to be joined by this man as Rob Donaldson. He does terrific work taking a look at two main sports that I know and love, baseball and college basketball. I know that he's doing a great job with the No Name Baseball Podcast. On top of that, you're able to catch up. You're able to uh, take a look at all of his podcasts, all of his videos over on his YouTube feed at youtube.com slash Rob Donaldson. As I know that he does a great job with daily bets when it comes to college basketball season. And I know that he's hard at work here in the offseason getting set to be able to put those out as you're able to follow him on Twitter at RobDFB altogether. And Rob, great to have you aboard. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me on, Greg. I always love talking hoops with you or ball or whatever kind of sports going on at the moment. <laughs> Absolutely. And what's going on right now in terms of college basketball has been the West Virginia situation, which I always find to be very fascinating because it's just one of those cases where it feels like we see one or two late coaching changes every single year, typically under less than savory terms. And typically we do find it a lot with regards to guys that they get canned just before the start of the season. This happened a little bit more in the summertime for West Virginia, but how do you gauge some of these teams in which they do have a late coaching change like we did see with West Virginia going the interim route? Yeah, you know, it's it's always a different situation with every single team, right? Because one, the personalities on the team itself just might not mesh. And when you're throwing in a big head coaching change, it might turn off a lot of guys and they might see it as a lost season potentially, or they might do what like a Joe Toussaint's doing and I'm just entering the portal extremely late and hoping, hoping I find somewhere to land. It really just kind of comes down to how does that coach really kind of juvenate or get those guys together, really get them going in the right direction and just kind of keeping the track going forward. And with Josh Eiler, you know, I, I haven't really looked into him too deep, but I do know some people who have been on that coaching staff. I'm one guy who you talked to in the past, Ryan McIntyre, and they have a lot of nice things to say about Josh Eiler and he's an in-house guy. So I do think that's going to help with kind of 
bringing this team together and, and pushing forward to their goal, which is to potentially win a Big Ten, Big 12 title this year. Yeah, I do think that with West Virginia, they are going to be facing a little bit of an uphill battle in the Big 12 because I'm not sure how you power rank the conferences, but in terms of my power rankings, Big 12 by far number one. From there, SEC, Big East are my two and three conferences personally, but I just take a look at the entire landscape of the Big 12, and I felt like this was a very necessary move for West Virginia because they were looking to try to hire on a full-term guy like an Andy Kennedy. I know that they were taking a look at some of the disciples of the Bob Huggins coaching tree, but I do feel like this was the best route for them in terms of the 2023-24 season because had they not gone this route, maybe they would have been set up better in like three, four years from now. But with bringing all the transfers like Jesse Edwards and company, Kirk Carissa, like they did, just being able to keep those guys in-house, I feel like this was a very necessary move for them. Yeah, and especially with how many guys they actually lost in last year's team. I mean, you look at Emmett Matthews, Katie Johnson, Eric Stevenson, obviously Trey Mitchell now, Joe Toussaint, and Jimmy Bell. Those are just the names they lost. I, this is this roster is flipping over, so you might not have that in-house leadership that you were relying on coming into the season. Yeah, you need a guy who's going to be able to kind of collect the pieces in terms of this kind of what happened with Bob Huggins. And I do think, you know, we'll see obviously very soon how that actually does play out and materialize into performance on the court. But I do like this move and in a difference to kind of some of the other ones that we saw this offseason. Yep. And what we're seeing at West Virginia causing quite a bit of a ripple effect as well as Rob Donaldson, who does great work, taking a look at the game of college basketball. And this time of year, if you're looking for a Saley bet, does a great job at the baseball front as well. Joining me right here on Coast Coast Soups because we did see one of those guys that had originally been at West Virginia and Trey Mitchell. He was there last year. He did decide to enter into the transfer portal after everything. He decided to go to Kentucky. And for Kentucky, this was a team that I just thought had the worst offseason of any team out there in college basketball. But it feels like with Trey Mitchell, for lack of a better term, landing in their lap, it still hasn't been a great offseason for them, but a little bit of a saving grace. It's something that I thought was so necessary because – We've seen it with Kentucky, even when they had Anthony Davis, Michael Kidd, Gilchrist, and company. They still needed a little bit of veteran experience, especially in the backcourt. And being able to bring back Antonio Reeves and now being able to get into the full Trey Mitchell, I think is exactly what the doctor ordered for a freshman class that is very, very talented, but at the same time, just doesn't have college experience. Yeah, and what we're seeing now in the age of the transfer portal is it's extremely hard to have three or four freshmen in in your starting five, or at least three or four freshmen that are getting significant playing time. And yeah, like you mentioned, you know, they lost Shebae last year, Jacob Toppin, Kaysen Wallace, and and the list goes on. Even CJ Frederick, who didn't play a full season, but was a dynamic three-point shooter when he was on the floor. They replaced him with just nonstop freshmen. And then they were able to bring back Antonio Reeves and it started to feel like, okay, well, you know, this is still probably the most inexperienced starting five in all of college basketball. And then now they're adding Trey Mitchell through, you know, maybe questionable means. (laughs) But regardless, still a very talented player. And he's going to help really well in that front court and just stabilize the ship a little bit while these freshmen are figuring it out. And as we know, especially right now when they're going up against a bunch of transfer portal guys on the other side, it's going to be youth and a talent and athleticism versus a lot of experience and a lot of talent. So they're going to have to really step up and mature fast. I agree with you. And I do always think that Kentucky teams like this, they're some of the toughest teams to be able to gauge because I do think that they cause for the most adjustments throughout the entirety of the season. Like I can see myself in a circumstance where I'm going to be fading Kentucky a lot throughout the season, not to say that in their first 10 games, I can't back them for any of those 10 games. And then from there, 
it becomes a little bit more of a bet on team. But typically when it comes to a lot of teams that they have a bunch of freshmen, they have a bunch of guys that they haven't seen a lot of playing time in general. I do think that it takes them a little bit of time to be able to gain that chemistry, to be able to just get to know the lay of the land a little bit in college basketball, for lack of a better term. And then typically they rise up towards back half of the season like we've seen with Arkansas so many times. I'm not sure if you have sort of a same mindset when it comes to a lot of these teams like in Arkansas, like in Kentucky with a bunch of moving parts, but typically that has worked out well for me in past years. Oh, 100%. You are going to be really hard-pressed to make a lot of money or make decent profit, you know, constantly betting, betting on the Blue Bloods in the first two months. Because one – Everybody likes the exciting freshmen, you know, like the the Zions that come into the fold or even this year, you know, a Justin Edwards or whoever else you can kind of point to. But the issue is that, you know, they might be putting up their numbers early on in the season, but it's maybe inefficient numbers or it's not conducive to team success, which I think gets lost a lot of times when you are looking at individuals in a starting five and not the first seven guys that are actually touching the floor. Yeah, so you're going to see Kentucky laying crazy numbers like 24 and a half, 26 and a half early in the season, and they just might not be that team until the third month. Yep, I'm right there with you, and I do think that it could be one of those cases as well where you see Kentucky be like 500 at the end of the year in terms of against the spread record. Bunch of losses early on, bunch of wins later on towards the back half of the season. Those are always teams of intrigue, and I'm so glad that you brought up the mid-majors as well because I always do find that you get a lot of value on these mid-majors when they are catching like a double-figure amount of points in general, and I always think that it is fascinating to take a look at those games that they're going to have north of 20, 25-point spreads because I do find that there are some teams that actually do a good job of covering those spreads, like Calvin Sampson time and time again when Houston has been a north of a 20-point favorite. They've been a team that has been able to cover those games. I know that Virginia, despite the fact that they play very slowly, they oftentimes have been a team that has been relatively solid in that role of north of a 20-point favorite going up against a team that they completely dominate. And then when it comes to ACC play, they fall off a little bit. We have seen that in past years as well. But do you ever put a little bit of stock into some of those trends, like a Houston being a team that covers some of those big spreads and other teams like Teams that have a bunch of moving parts, teams that just in general, year in and year out, typically do go to the transfer portal quite a bit, not doing so? Yeah, 100%. If you're displacing three or four members of your starting five from the previous year, you are not going to be a team that I'm going to be betting on early in the season, just point blank period. And then kind of on the flip side of what you said in terms of just kind of finding angles with some of these mid-majors, you know, when you are ingrained into college basketball like you and I are, we know which conferences are good or like quality conferences from the mid-majors. You know, like we look at the OVC last year, for example, and that's just not a conference that you really want to be backing out of conference play. It reflects when they go out of conference or play in preseason tournaments or or even in the postseason. But you look at te- the conferences like the Missouri Valley Conference or even the Conference USA or even the CAA in recent years, right? And you think those teams through those top five, top six of our perception of who can be in that mix in each top of the conference, those are teams that are going to be able to play right alongside inexperienced lineups that are kind of just a mishmash of maybe not talent that really meshes well together. And I think you can really capitalize that on on that, especially in this new transfer era where the player likeness is so much more elevated than actual true fit to an offense or to a team. I'm right there with you. I think that that is so important to gauge as Rob Donaldson, who does great work handicapping the game of college basketball and baseball is joining me right here on Coast to Coast Soups, now part of the Visa family of podcasts. And 
Rob, when it comes to taking a look at some of these mid-majors, because I know that you do a great job on this front, have there been a few that you have been rather impressed by with what they've done this offseason? Because I just did my Big West preview, and I'm still high on them, but I do feel like a team like UC Santa Barbara losing out on Zach Clemens, that was big for them. Still do think that they are going to be able to do a nice job this season, but that was one that did put me off of them. Just a little bit, but all in all, I think that they are going to be in for a very good season this year. I could see a few teams from the CAA, once again, being rock solid like Charleston, even though they lose quite a few guys. I think that they're, once again, going to be able to put it together as well. Have there been a few teams that you've been able to identify and you think, man, they've done a really nice job this off season, they might be a little bit overlooked once again this year. Yeah, and you know, it's actually what's kind of I like finding angles on in terms of mid-majors is I look at the conferences that are kind of almost wide open, and I look for the silver lining. So I already mentioned the OVC, so I'll just stick right there. And you look at a team like, for example, um, let's go with Tennessee Tech. Uh, they are returning a lot of their starting five. They have a lot of exciting pieces. They also got some transfers down as well. And then you kind of look around the league and you see, you know, who is kind of in that building up process of maybe they had a down year, but they have a great historical, you know, background where you can kind of rely on them. I look at Northern Iowa, right, where they have a lot of ingrown talent every single year. Not a great year last year going 14 and 18, but they still have Jacobson in the fold there. And that did feel like a little bit of an aberration. And then the same boat, you look at Murray State, who finished barely above them in the MVC. That was still a pretty decently quality team and obviously a lot of tournament success in the past as well. So I kind of look at those programs who have that background of tournament success and just being consistently good year after year. And I look at the teams, you know, to maybe buy low on as the season kind of unfolds early on. And I think that's where the most value comes when you're betting on mid-majors. Yep, I agree with you. I do think that you're able to find a lot more value with the mid-majors because bookmakers they always care about all these lines, no fans are buts about it, but they're going to be hit a little bit harder if they hang a bad line on, say, a North Carolina versus Duke game rather than if they hang a bad line mm-hmm. on, say, Tennessee State versus Tennessee Tech. So going to be a little bit of a lump, yep. but you know what? A little bit more able to be controlled. They're probably going to be able to make that back up through football and everything like that. So I always think that that is something that is good to be able to take a look at it. How much do you make out of teams that – they just typically play a relatively consistent style as well. Because something that I noticed when I was doing my Big West preview is that we did see quite a few teams in that conference last year that decided to speed it up. And I do think that it is very important to be taking a look at some of these teams that they do have just sort of that coach that always wants to play super-duper fast, super-duper slow, keeps things consistent in the way that they play in general. And I think that this is always a good building spot for being able to do some off-season research and being able to gauge a team when it comes to night number one. Yeah, 100% agree. You look at teams like UC Irvine and UC Santa Barbara who are always in the fold there in the Big West. And what's so kind of great about betting on those teams is that you at least know you have a reasonable baseline. You know, there's not going to be games where they go two for 20 from the three-point line and you're just like, oh my gosh, this was dead upon arrival. Now, with those sorts of teams, they might not have the offense to kind of stick with, let's just say uh, last year, UC Riverside, who could put up 84 in a given night um, just because, you know, sometimes they can catch fire and and just make every single shot and go 60% and a half. And now they're kind of looking up on the scoreboard and seeing that they're down 18. That'll happen. You know, you just got to take those lumps as they come. But when you are betting on consistent teams, like you mentioned, whether it's a mid-major or even a team that's, you know, a power 
team in a power conference, it's nice to have a baseline there, especially when they're well coached, because you're never really out of a game, even if you are down double digits early. And we've seen that time and time again. You know, if you have experience, you have guys who are not going to turn the ball over or get too crazy and carried away with their shot selection. You are still in a game no matter what. And how nice is it? Because you mentioned that it could sometimes be the case for more of these major conferences as well, that it always feels like we know what we're going to be able to get out of the Big Ten. Granted, there have been a few coaching changes made with like Mike Rhodes going over to Penn State, but Penn State was one of the more opposite teams of the Big Ten as well because I mean, it's a conference that always prides itself on the big men playing relatively slowly. And I always think that that's a great baseline as well. And always knowing that that big, giant home court advantage is going to be there for most of these teams as well. It's not like it's an end-all, be-all that you just fire up home teams and you're going to be able to make a whole bunch of money. But <laughs> we have seen it time and time again where the home teams and the unders have been incredibly good to you in the Big Ten. Yep, it's one of those tried-and-true kind of measuring sticks of the Big Ten Conference kind of operating per usual is home team winning games, low-scoring games, no matter where it's played. I don't really see it playing out any differently this next season because a lot of these teams, yeah, they did keep a lot of their pieces, but we are going to see similar styles. When, Like Indiana, for example, they lost Trace Jackson Davis, but they are still kind of going to be prominent in that front court, and they're going to still have guys around the perimeter who are going to be hit or miss. So what is that conducive to? A lot of two-point shots, a lot of shot blocking, and a lot of banging down low and potential for high scoring, but... When you are banking on potential and not a solid angle, you're sitting in a pretty good spot when you're talking about totals. You certainly are, and we're always sitting in a great spot whenever you join the show, Rob, because you do an amazing job. Take a look at the game of baseball and college basketball. Obviously, when it comes to daily picks right now, not a lot of college basketball that'll be coming <laughs> more in the winter time. but I know you're doing a great job of the baseball front end. I know you're getting set for the college basketball season as well. So let the good people at home know it's on tap for you and how people are able to follow along on social media and other platforms. Yeah, if you want to keep along or keep up to date with everything that I'm doing, whether it's hopping on with Greg on a podcast or putting out a podcast on my own or maybe a video, just follow me on Twitter at RobDFB. And that will pretty much tell the entire story of what I'm doing. I just make sure to update everything on there as much as possible. And yeah, Greg, like I always say, man, you are the gold standard, and thank you for having me on. I always appreciate Rob joining me. He always lends tremendous insights and did so once again today. So big thanks to Rob for joining me on Coast to Coast Hoops, now part of the Visa Family Podcast. And if you do like hearing from this fine podcast, Coast to Coast Hoops, you're able to subscribe wherever your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you have a question, comment, segment, idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at jaded underscore 81. Keep in mind, let her see them. Maybe it does not matter, so as per usual, please send these into the timeline. The other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. I'll be coming at you guys every single day on this podcast here in the offseason looking at the news and notes of college basketball. Conference previews are going to be coming hot and heavy the next few weeks, so be excited there. And then once we get in-season picks and analysis on every single game every single day. So I appreciate you guys tuning in today, and I will chat with you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. 
Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Hi, listener. I'm Carol Fisher, the host of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister. I'm so excited for you to hear the brand new season where we're uncovering a 35-year-old mystery. But for those of you who didn't hear season one or just want to listen to it again, you can now get access to all episodes of that first season of The Girlfriends 100% ad-free through the iHeart True Crime Plus subscription, which is available exclusively on Apple Podcasts. You'll also get access to every single episode of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister, ad-free and one week early, only available to iHeart True Crime Plus subscribers. So what are you waiting for? Head to Apple Podcasts, search for iHeart True Crime Plus, and subscribe today. Today. 